In this episode, I'll talk about the importance of advocating for our horses and how that advocacy actually has to start with ourselves. So here we go, episode 179, Speak Your Truth. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am bringing you this podcast from a cold winter's day in Florida. (laughs) But I'm not kidding. It actually got below freezing. I had to like get the ice out of the water troughs and my horses got to get all bundled up. So yeah, where I live in Florida, it actually does get cold. We're above the frost line. Um, So some days uh, I have to like put a jacket on and a scarf and a hat for at least a few hours before it goes back up to 50 degrees. Anyway, I really like having like a little hint of a season. I get to bring out a cute sweater and wear a scarf and, you know, sometimes there's those sweaters never make it out of the drawer. So anyway, it's a nice, it's a nice change. And, uh, I think it knocks down some of the bugs and the parasites, so I do love a good frost. All right, but that's not what this episode is about. Advocating for horses is something that's on my mind a lot, and it it definitely comes up in a lot of conversations and and social media when you're in this sort of heart-centered horseman tribe. You know, it's a big concern, and we all want to do something about it. I mean, horses are so dependent on us. And I think, unfortunately, we've all seen situations where there was a horse in a bad position and maybe we didn't get him out of it soon enough, you know, if ever. And I know that there are lots of success stories and there's progress being made, even if it feels slow. You know, when you look at the competition world, for example, maybe it can seem slow. I think there's probably even more horrible things happening outside the competition world, back in some barn somewhere where nobody else is watching. You know, unfortunately, there's plenty of horrible stuff happening there. Um, But there's also changes that are happening and there's a growing a shift in how we're viewing horses in general and in this industry, which is wonderful. So it's something I think that we all need to take responsibility for, and we all need to do what we can, when we can, in our own way. And I think all ways help. So opening hearts and minds and eyes can be just as impactful as physically going to a specific horse and rescuing him from neglect. So I think, you know, we often, well, I'll speak for myself, often I'll look at people who are 
activists or doing the hard, hard work and I'll look around and go, man, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not like them. But I think we all have our way that we can help. And if you have a way that is something, do more of that. (laughs) Often, I think that when we do our own thing, the thing that comes naturally and easy for us, that that's what feels like the easy thing for us to do. And so we can, we tend to negate it because we see what someone else does and it seems like hard work for them. And so it must be much more important because look how they're sacrificing. When actually, if you talk to them, they're probably doing the thing that feels easy for them. So just if there's any way that you have an opportunity to open a heart, a mind, a set of eyes, or physically do something to help a specific horse you see, or any of the, you know, the people who are there getting the rules changed that are bringing awareness to the neglect, it all counts. And I think we all need to be in this team together. So what am I doing? (laughs) I'm here on a podcast, opening some hearts and minds and eyes. So when I teach, um, I notice dynamics. I mean, I think that's outside of teaching. I've noticed that I notice dynamics from teaching, but that's kind of the thing that I do. I notice a dynamic. And then when there's a problem in a dynamic, this dynamic ain't working for somebody, I do my best to notice where else that same dynamic shows up. And so if there's a situation where, you know, it's a more foundational situation or maybe an easier version than the big, the big bad problem, I'll tend to go there first. I'll go to the more foundational version of the same dynamic, or I'll go to the easier version of the big, huge problem. I mean, I think that's a really effective strategy for training and for teaching and for life. So when we talk about advocating for our horses, I mean, it sounds good, right? It's a good thing to do. It sounds simple, but as with most things, (laughs) it can, it can get complicated or it can at least feel complicated or scary or hard or impossible when you're actually attempting to apply it in real life. So we can see or experience things that don't seem right or don't seem fair. And then we can easily think, well, but what can I do about this? Or, well, there's nothing we can do about this. It's just the way it is. And we see this on Facebook all the time. You know, you put one person posts about one thing that they are doing and you'll get a hundred comments of people complaining about all the stuff that still isn't changed. (laughs) And then another bunch of people complaining about how the one thing that is being done isn't good enough and therefore it's wrong too. (laughs) So, I mean, that this is actually not what I meant the podcast (laughs) to be about, but if anybody is doing anything to help, even if it's not yet enough, let's keep praising the small changes that are heading in the right direction. Just because something isn't a hundred percent everything, it doesn't mean it's nothing. And I see a lot of 
bashing and shaming around a small change in a positive direction, but they're bashing it because it's not 100% the whole complete change all at once. And then it just ends up sounding and looking like, well, there's no way to make you happy. So why bother? (laughs) It's a dynamic. Okay, so let's get back to what I was meaning to be talking about. It comes down to speaking our truth about our horses. And it comes down to speaking our truth about ourselves. So I feel like I'm in a little bit of a unique position to have spent a lot of time as a trainer of other people's horses and as an owner of a horse being trained by somebody else. I've coached students, I've been a student, and and I am a student, and I've not only hung out with fellow trainers throughout my life and career and other horse professionals, but I've actually coached other horse professionals about their horse business. And I've noticed a very similar statement being said by all of those people (laughs) at different times. So I've heard students and, you know, maybe horse owners saying something like, I really want to do X, Y, Z, but my trainer will think I'm nuts or won't do it or won't understand it. And then I'll hear trainers or other professionals saying something like, I really want to do X, Y, Z, but my client slash student slash horse owner is expecting something else and will think I'm nuts, won't do it, won't understand it, or won't pay for it. And so I'm sitting there in the middle going, well, I wonder if it's the same thing. (laughs) I wonder if the thing that the owner wants might be, and they're not asking, is maybe the same thing the trainer wants and they're not saying anything either. So, you know, maybe what each person is thinking is true, right? Maybe they will make a suggestion and the other party will be like, you're nuts. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So maybe those are true statements or things to be thinking or assuming, but maybe they're not. And sometimes when I hear a story like that, they, they actually have brought it up. Oh yeah, I asked my trainer and I said I wanted a fill in the blank. And my trainer was like, no, that's not how I do it. You know, or vice versa. The trainer has an idea and says to the owner, and the owner's like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that with my horse, whatever that might be. So sometimes, you know, they're right, but that was one case with one person and one trainer. And if, if you're in that much disagreement, then maybe something needs to change in the situation. Maybe you need to break up with each other and find other, um, you know, another trainer or attract other students that really do want to do the exact thing that you're doing. But in many of these conversations or things that I overhear these comments, the person's actually assuming what the other person's answer or thought might be. It's a guess. So in each case, someone is wanting something to be a little different or has a question or an idea. And then they're making an assumption based on a guess about what someone else might be thinking. And based on that guess about what they are thinking, they're guessing again about what their answer might be to a question that they haven't asked or a subject 
they haven't brought up. You know, and this goes either way. And sometimes it can happen with both the student and the professional at the same time, you know, about the same situation. Both want something to be different and neither is saying anything about it. And likely each one is going away and complaining about the other one. And then, you know, of course, the horse is just stuck in the middle. And so this to me is where advocacy has to start. We at least have to start practicing right here at home with us, <laughs> us and our little moment right here and the horse, the professional, the students that's around us. You know, there are so many different people with different personalities and experiences and ways of learning. There's so many different systems and techniques and training methods out there. There's so many different types of horses out there with different problems and challenges and talents and skills. And when there's a just right combination of all of those factors, then horses thrive and progress. Students are happy. Owners are happy. Trainers are happy. Instructors are happy. And then stuff can go wrong. And sometimes something with the combination of that needs to change. Sometimes it's clear and you just need to kind of get out of there (laughs) and go your separate ways. And if you know that for sure, act fast, get out of there, go find someone else. There's a different horse trainer, student, instructor, barn. There really are choices. Now, sometimes nothing is necessarily wrong with any of the the individuals. Nobody has to necessarily be the bad guy. Sometimes it's just not a great combination for the particular individuals with their particular goals trying to be achieved at this particular time. So it just might be the combination. And, you know, trainers and instructors have a right to stick to their program that they are confident about. In fact, I recommend it. You know, you don't need to compromise. If you know the plan, you, you're allowed to have your plan. And I would say be good at explaining your plan so that we make sure, you know, the right people and horses are in that program that will thrive in that program. And owners of horses and students have a right to have their horse and themselves in the in the type of experience and situation that they want to have. And they have a right to be communicated with and cared for in the way that they want. So you're it's okay if you want your horse to be cared for a certain way, if you want to be talked to in a certain way or taught in a certain way. That's great. Communicate it, know it, and find someone who you can thrive with in that way. So it's okay to make some sort of change, right? And sometimes there's just tweaks that need to be made and some freedom to do things differently or experiment within the combination of student horse professional, right? So you have a student who knows how they want to learn. You have a horse and the owner of the horse is sure about how that horse Um, They want the horse to be taken care of. And you have a professional who has their professional expertise. And we don't have to butt heads. (laughs) 
So sometimes the student can go, hey, professional, um, I'm just struggling a little bit in my lessons. I feel like I'm not getting so much out of it. My horse seems a little unhappy. I'm wondering if he could get more turnout and can we just like sit down and talk a little bit or can I just watch some other students rise if I can get a little better picture? And the professional can say, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. And I really think, you know, you need to come more often than once a month. And I think you should come over here and do this. And we should have some unmounted lessons. And like, there it is. It's the same horse, same student, same professional. And so much wiggle room. Right? So when I hear a professional or a student complain, you know, sometimes they just need to break up. It's like, (laughs) just go find someone new. But it's going to be hard to find the right combinations unless people are able to clearly articulate what's important to them and what they're looking for. So you have to, that's where the self-advocating comes in. The student has to go, you know, this, these lessons just aren't working for me, but maybe you really like the professional, you want to learn from them. And you're just afraid to tell them that like you're getting really confused and frustrated in their lessons. Well, guess what? They know. (laughs) And maybe they have an idea, but the professional is thinking, oh, but I can't, you know, they're just so, it's so um, frustrating to teach that person, but they're not communicating with each other. So in that moment, that's a moment of advocacy, right? What's the big problem in, in horse welfare? Well, now what are the teeny, teeny, tiny problems that are similar to it? Let's not wait till a horse is neglected or abused or, you know, professional and student are, you know, physically assaulting each other. Let's see if we can find the small dynamics and practice handling them in an effective way that can change things and make things better. So the best time to practice communicating and articulating what's important to you and what you're looking for is like right now in whatever situation you are currently in. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, my situation is great. That's fantastic. I wonder how it could be even better. (laughs) What else could you tweak? Or just be conscious about, wow, this is really fantastic. What is it about the situation that is so amazing? Now, I know that there is a lot of leftover militaristicness. I just think I made up that word. There's a lot of militaristicness, military-based <laughs> whatever methods in traditional horse training. I mean, still to this day, there's a lot of, you know, just shut up and ride. I think I used to have a ball cap that said that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm different now. Uh, but we are in a different world now. We're not in such a, you know, well, there's military, but not so much connected to how most of us do horses. So I think there is room for more dialogue. And I also know there's going to be some professionals listening right now that are like rolling their eyes and saying, oh, great, Karen, like all my students want to do right now is chat and discuss and get distracted and second guess and yeah, but me during lessons as it is. And now you're telling them to open up even more dialogue. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, there's, there can be guardrails around this, 
right? So you, as the professional, you can say, you know, when is a good time to talk about this outside of lessons? You're allowed to have your program and you're allowed to say, Hey, during the lesson, you know, I want to let, you know, I want to guide you and then we'll stop in the middle and we can take a break and then we can discuss. And if you have any um, other sort of questions, I have office hours. I mean, you're allowed (laughs) to have guardrails about how your program runs. I'm not saying that you get to now just be walked all over. So it goes both ways, right? The, The professional gets to check in with the student and share their thoughts on what they think needs to go differently. And I think so does the student. It can be a discussion. And if there's too much distance between what each wants, then, you know, you split up. But I've learned so much from students who have been so bold as to um, ask me for a different kind of lesson than the one I usually teach. And years ago, I used to be really resistant to that. And now I'm like, oh, cool idea. Yeah, let's try that. And I'm willing to try something. And if in that moment... Uh, I really don't believe it's a good idea, then I'll voice that too. And we can discuss it. I've learned that if students don't feel good about what they're doing, and they don't feel at least a little bit confident enough to be consciously open to give it a try, then it's not going to work anyway. So it can be an opportunity for growth and for learning for everyone I know plenty of students who know much more about body work or, you know, something, you know, uh, trimming, you know, horse trimming, hoof trimming and things like that, that might say something during a lesson about their horse that I have no idea about. I would not have caught up, caught it at all. And by them sharing that with me, I have a chance to learn and go, oh, wow, now I just learned something else about this. Like if one of my students is a vet, You know, there can be things going on that I'm not going to pick up on. And just because it's inside a lesson doesn't mean that I'm the boss and I'm the only one who gets to (laughs) make all the decisions. I mean, and that's how I do it anyway. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So if all of us 
are, no matter what role we're in, professional or student owner, if we don't know what we want and get good at expressing it and talking about it, then what can happen is everyone ends up compromising their goals or their principles or simply feeling bad, but feeling like they can't do anything about it. And that's just no fun. So instructors, often there is something that you really, really know would help your student, but you're not doing it because let's say, for example, you know, your student signed up for a 45 minute dressage lesson, but what you know they need is actually a half hour discussion in the barn and then 15 minutes of sitting on their horse in front of the mirror while you make subtle adjustments to their position at the halt while they're looking at themselves. But you don't even bring it up because you don't think they're going to go for it and because you know that what they paid for was a 45-minute dressage lesson and you don't think that that fits in your package. And so you're not going to bring it up. And because you think your student's going to think, well, that's not a 45 minute dressage lesson. So you think that there's this conflict. Now, part of what I coach other professionals is like, don't sell 45 minute dressage lessons. You sell 45 minutes of progress, right? And then you can do whatever you think is progress. You, you know, whatever you think you need to make progress, but that's a different subject. And if you're a trainer, like, let's say, you know, that the horse you have in training needs some non-demanding time to build trust, or maybe just he's done a big breakthrough and he needs to like chill for the next few days, but the owner paid for a month of training and your package says a month of training equals 20 hours of training sessions in the arena. And you're sure that that owner's going to be mad and ask for their money back, some prorated money back, if they see that on Thursday, you just hung out with the horse as you taught other students. Or they find out that all you did was go for a little trail ride. All right, so you know it, you know what would be good, but because of how you set up your training program, now you've set an expectation and now you're imagining that you can't change that because of what someone will think, even though you know what's the best thing for the horse, but now you're not doing it. And students, maybe you, um, you can feel your horse getting anxious during your lessons when your instructor asks you to do things that you really can't do yet. And so you get all tight and then you feel your horse getting tighter and then your instructor sees your horse getting tighter and makes you get after your horse. And you really want to be able to just kind of stop and figure this out because you're sure that it's your fault and it's this tightness that you're doing that's making your horse bracy. But you also know you can't stop or you think you know you can't stop because you don't want to be disobedient to your trainer. And so you keep getting more and more bracy and your horse gets more and more bracy and then you just think you're a terrible, terrible rider. So you sign up for more lessons. <laughs> and you see the cycle, you see the dynamic here. So what if, what if the instructor explained the benefit of uh, the discussion and the standing still in front of the mirror while just doing subtle adjustments in your position and then got excited to be creative in how she was teaching 
instead of being frustrated. And then what if the student was like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. I thank you so much for taking that time. And the student loved that special and effective teaching. And what if that trainer of the horse, the horse in training that needed a break, what if that trainer could explain the benefit to the owner so the owner can now understand that progress doesn't always look like movement? And what if now the owner saw her horse in the relationship in a whole new way? And what if that student could speak their truth and get to the root of the stress that they were definitely feeling? And then the instructor was finally able to help with a piece that they were also frustrated with. They saw the dynamic. They just didn't feel it from the same perspective as the student. And if the student just could stop and explain what was going on and give the instructor a a moment to go, oh, all right, let's see a different way we can approach this. And you know, if the the, um, student revolts and if the owner of the horse goes, forget it, I'm pulling my horse out of here. And if the trainer, uh, the instructor of that other student goes, no, you must shut up and ride. Well, that's good information to have. And the best thing to do to advocate, you know, for yourself and your horse would be like, I'm not going to that instructor anymore. And that trainer goes, well, I'm going to still speak my truth to that owner, even if they don't really hear me, but they're going to hear it from me. Even if they take their horse away, it's their horse, but they still heard it. They still heard it from me. And maybe that's the first step in that owner starting to understand and realize that that really was the best thing. There is a ripple effect. I think I might have told this story before um, of a, a vet um, came to draw. I needed um, horses blood drawn. And one of my horses can sometimes be really tense about, um, about needles. And so I had been preparing for this and you know, have, teaching her to put her head down and relax and hold and some positive reinforcement. So we were really working on this. And I found that if I just had a minute to do this, then she was better. And I've had vets come in in the past um, and just like go in and give them an injection so fast they can't think about it. And yeah, they can get that done once, but it's it, does, it makes it worse next time. So this was an, a new vet who was just covering for another vet. And she came in and she was came right in to like get the blood. And I said, hang on a second. And I just took a second to ask my horse's head down, tell her to hold, give her a reward a couple times. And then, I, and then the vet looked at me and she went, oh, I do that too. That's great. You're doing positive reinforcement. And then we had a great conversation about it. Now, if I hadn't said anything, this vet would have just gone in and taken the blood, even though the horse was tense. And if, you know, if I hadn't said anything, that would happen. But just because I just said, oh, hang on a second. And then she connected. She knew exactly what I was doing and she knew how to do it. So we worked together. (laughs) We worked together on it and she was so happy. She says, I wish more owners did that. And I'm thinking, but you're the person making contact in that situation. She's part of that dynamic. 
Why was she not advocating for that? And she says, well, you know, the owners just want me to come in and draw the blood. And I'm sure the owners are thinking, well, the vets just need to come in and draw the blood. They don't want to be involved in training. And here was this vet who wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it. Imagine if I had not said anything, and she had not said anything. We would have wrestled with the horse, drawn the blood, made it worse for the next time. But just that little moment of advocating, enough for me to go, wait a second. And if the vet had said, screw you, I don't have time for this. I'm get. I'm going to get the blood. I would have gone, oh, okay. Well, uh, I might have blocked her with my body. <laughs> or I would have gone, I am never using that vet office again. And that would be a good piece of information to have. But, you know, we think about advocacy and we think about these worst case scenarios and these horrible situations. But this is what I mean about speaking your truth in the moment, in the little dynamics that are right in front of you. So daring to address what really is happening and having a conversation about it, just dare to to put the truth out there, go, hey, this seems like it's not working. Hey, hang on a second. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, can I ask a question? <laughs> hey, I just need a second. It's the That's the first part of change. And I know some people won't welcome this. <laughs> some people don't want that conversation and some will. Again, now you know. And I don't mean that everyone should go around yabbutting everything. And I don't mean that just because you don't inherently understand something that it is, that means it's for sure wrong. I always, you know, we have to have some sort of trust, especially in when we hire a professional, you know, hopefully you've done a little investigating and there, there's good reason to trust the professional that you're putting your horse, you know, in their hands. So I like to approach things with skepticism, openness, and common sense. Those are three really good words to write down somewhere where you can see them. Skepticism, openness, common sense. That means I don't just follow blindly. I don't care who tells me. I'm going to be a little skeptical. (laughs) Maybe. Oh, you say so? Well, let's see. But I'm also open. So it's like, "Mm, maybe, let's see. Okay, show me. me. What do I do? How do I do it? Let me try. And then common sense, meaning you try it, look at the results, and if it ain't working, it ain't working. Or maybe there's something else you have to know, but, you know, there's been lots of times in life that I go, this is stupid, this won't work, let me give it a try. Oh, wait, it did. (laughs) Like, you know, natural horsemanship stuff. (laughs) I was like, this is kind of stupid, but I'm going to give it a try. And like, huh, look at that. It kind of worked. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you want it to work. You think it should work. You give it a try and nope, not really working. But if you just go blindly or if you go with a yeah, but attitude, if you go, well, I'm going to give this a try, but I'm not really going to try. I'm just going to butt heads against everything, you know, and question everything that come along, you know, in that kind of attitude, it's not going to work. But skepticism, openness, common sense. And if I trust the person, 
that I'm doing this with, I may be more willing to go with something that initially feels weird. So I, that's why it's so important to investigate the professionals you put, you know, yourself in their hands. Make sure that you can have a bit of trust so that you can be a little bit more open. But if it ain't working, it ain't working. And that's when you start having to ask questions and investigate more. And if I don't yet trust a person that I'm about to go put myself in their hands, then they're going to need to be really great at explaining themselves so that I can try to be more open. And then again, you just watch the results and pull the plug if it ain't working. So to advocate means to plead on behalf of another or to call to one's aid. And we talk a lot about advocating for our horses and we need to because they're helpless and they often have no voice, but we live in a human world. And so often I see students and trainers making themselves helpless too. We can all start with advocating for ourselves. Practice noticing when something's not quite right. Raise your hand, ask a question, create a new option, speak your truth. View the answer or the new possibility with skepticism, openness, and common sense. Change it, give it a try, give it a fair try, change again, repeat, until it feels right for you, your horse, and humans alike. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process.